What is peace? We recorded this episode just before Christmas, and peace is quite literally everywhere I look. Huge peace on earth decorations in people's yards, signs with the word peace, all in red, green, and white, just for Christmas, and all kinds of songs on the radio, all about peace. But doesn't peace, at least for the Christian, go beyond Christmas? And does anyone actually know what true biblical peace is? I think most Christians get peace terribly wrong. We look for a feeling or a circumstance or even just quiet, a lack of chaos to bring us peace when God says that true biblical peace is something entirely different. John 14, 27 says, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. These words make it clear that Jesus doesn't give peace the way we might want him to, but he does give the kind that lasts, withstands, and even surprises us in the middle of challenging times. That's the kind of peace I want personally, and it's the kind of peace I want to pass on to my children. But knowing I want it and knowing how to get it are two different things. All this month, Stacey Thacker and I are going to walk you through a deep look at the heart-level issues that rob us of our peace. We'll take a look at what the Bible has to say about the root of our lack of peace. Why are we not experiencing it when Jesus said that we could have it? And we're going to get really practical about how to have peace in all circumstances. Yes, I said all. I'm Brooke McLaughlin, an author, speaker, teacher, and small-town girl from the mountains of Appalachia. Over the years, I've had the privilege of encouraging countless moms toward a richer prayer life, helping them catch a vision for the partnership God invites them into as they become praying moms. Prayer is action all by itself, and our prayers can impact the people we love most for generations to come. I created the Million Praying Moms podcast because prayer is one of the most overlooked parts of Christian parenting today. Let's change that together. My goal is to help you see prayer not as a last resort, but as your first and best response. If you have questions about prayer or motherhood, if you need help taking the first steps toward a praying life, or if you want to know how to pray for specific needs affecting our children in today's culture, you're in the right place, friend prayer warrior or mom who's just starting the journey. All are welcome here. Let's get started. Stacey, how are you today, my friend? Take a guess at how many signs you've seen this month so far that have to do with peace. I would say quite a lot. I mean, if you're going to run into that at Walmart in the checkout, as well as at church on Christmas Day, I mean, I think it's pretty prevalent. And I think it's a great topic. I know as I've come to the end of 2022 and moving into 2023, just from a personal perspective, I've been really empty and tired. And so sometimes I, I see those signs around and I just kind of chuckle and think, yeah, right. You know, like maybe I'm a little bit feeling empty and really feeling in the depths of that. But I, I know also at the same time, it's not bad to come to the end and the beginning of something empty because that means I can be filled with good things instead. And so sometimes the Lord has to take and carve out space for his own truth to, to enter in. So I am personally looking really forward to this peace project, Brooke. And so you said that Jesus doesn't give us the peace the way the world does. And so my first question is, 
What if I'm not okay with that? What if we have a listener right now whose Christmas was anything but peaceful? What if she's super frustrated about that? And I mean, really frustrated. Like I understand this kind of frustration. Okay. So this is, this is our friend and me as well. What do we do? What does God say? And what things does he say that are different for us? Well, first off, Stacey, I want to say that I get it. I have questioned the way that God works in my life or why he did or didn't allow certain things to happen many, many, many times. And I, I'm pretty sure you have too. To answer this question, I think it's helpful to look at the first part of Second Thessalonians 3.16. It says, now may the Lord of peace himself give you peace at all times in every way. The Lord be with you all. So this verse specifically says that the Lord is going to give us peace at all times in every way. And that that is mind boggling. And we'll get to that in a little bit. But it also teaches us that God is the Lord of peace, right? He owns it. It's his. And if peace belongs to God, that means he can give it the way he chooses. And I, I think, you know, if we're honest, we sometimes wish that God would choose to do things differently in our lives. There's a lot of things that I wish God had chosen to do differently in my life, but I only wish that because I can't see the big picture. And I don't think about life the same way, the exact same way that God does. And so if I did, if I if I could see it, it the big picture, or if I could see my life the way that God does, I would probably agree with his methods. For now though, because we don't have those things, I just have to trust his methods. And that means giving myself over to God's plan. And the heart level issue here for me, and I think for most people, is that we're not God. It's hard. Like, you know, on on some level, we can say, well, yeah, I mean, I know I'm not God. That's not a difficult concept. I know I'm not. But we live out our days, I think, a lot as if we are. And the living out of it, the living out of that knowledge is, in my opinion, what trips us up as Christians 99.9% of the time. And it's probably the reason that the listener that you were speaking of, Stacey, is frustrated. And I, I don't want to trivialize her pain or disappointment. I don't want to, to say that the big things that are happening in her life are less than what they are. They're real and, and denying them doesn't really help the situation at all. But I do think we do ourselves a disservice when we keep allowing our circumstances to be what drives our peace or steals our peace. John 16, 33 says, I have said these things to you that in me, you may have peace. In the world, you will have tribulation, but take heart, I've overcome the world. Jesus makes it really clear to his disciples in this verse and by default to us that he was going to be their peace. He never told them that peace was going to come from their circumstances. He never said peace is going to come from the fact that your home is really nice or that your prayers have been answered the the exact way that you wanted them to be or that you were physically or emotionally safe in this world. He didn't do that at all. Instead, after breaking the news to them that he was actually going to leave and that that they would be scattered, he told them that he would be their peace in spite of their circumstances, which would be troubled. Part of having peace in the midst of difficult circumstances 
is first making peace with the fact that we are going to have struggles. We are going to have difficult circumstances. And I don't know about you, Stacey, but I think sometimes I wonder, like with this in mind, with these scriptures in mind, I I sometimes wonder why I still get so surprised by them. Why do I wonder why I'm having this challenge when Jesus said, you're going to have challenges? And then I act like I shouldn't have them. We don't have to be happy about the challenges when they come, but we shouldn't be surprised by them. John 14, 27 says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. Several years ago, my husband and I walked through a very painful set of circumstances. In fact, what we dealt with may just rank up there as one of the most painful things we've ever experienced to date. It deeply wounded us and caused us to question our callings, even who we were in Christ. Honestly, it caused us to question Christ himself. We often found ourselves mad at God for allowing it to happen in the first place. We felt rejected, disrespected, and very, very alone. Throughout the months that followed, we were confronted by this pain over and over, up and down, like waves of discouragement throughout the seasons. Sometimes things were fine, and then sometimes they weren't. When things were fine, I was filled with hope. I felt peaceful in my relationship with God and others, and I went about my days feeling fulfilled in my Christian walk. But when things were not fine, I was filled with fear. I felt frustrated in my relationship with God and others, and I went about my days wounded, wondering if I really had anything at all to offer the kingdom of God. It felt very much like being on a never-ending roller coaster of emotions, like having a Band-Aid ripped off just as the wounds started to heal only to have to start the process all over again. John 14, 27 specifically and clearly tells us that the kind of peace Jesus left us is not the same kind the world seeks to give us. And yet, so very often, I act like it should be. I could dwell on the longing of my heart to have peace in all my relationships, every circumstance, and with each new day, but that only means I want to control what happens to me and that I don't trust the God of the universe to give me the challenges I need to make me more like him. The other option is to choose the gift of peace Jesus died to give me. If I choose to look at Jesus as my peace, then anywhere I look, I see peace. Anywhere I go, I see peace. And any decision I make, I have peace. Peace doesn't always come from what's happening in our lives, from our relationships, or even from making good decisions. We just are not promised that kind of peace, but we are promised the peace Jesus gives. That kind of peace transcends any other and gives us the ability to release difficult relationships, circumstances, and even deep, deep wounds to the only one who can change them. I invite you to step off the roller coaster of your own life and choose instead to walk with the gift of peace Jesus died to give you himself. Grab your copy of Everyday Prayers for Peace at millionprayingmoms.com or anywhere books are sold. Wow, that's that's so true, Brooke. I know that's true in my life. And I think going back to what you said about God, seeing the bigger picture and that we're not God, in this particular scenario in this scripture, this is not only was he going to leave them, but Jesus was about to go to the cross. He was going to die a very unpeaceful death. 
It was going to be brutal. It was going to be terrifying. And he knew things were about to escalate. And so just having that truth ahead of that time was to be an anchor for them. Now, I'm assuming in the midst of those circumstances, guess what they did? They forgot. I'm, I'm, I mean, I don't mean to project on the disciples, but I'm assuming because that's what I do. I forget those things. When things aren't going my way, I have to re-anchor myself back to a truth like this verse in John, John 16, 33. We have to go back and remember what he said. I'm so forgetful in those seasons. Okay, so the title of today's show and what we've listed as the number one, get this, the number one reason people experience a lack of peace is because too often we try to stuff a worldly definition of peace into a biblical one. And that's really interesting because sometimes it's easier to remember the worldly definition than the biblical definition. Um, And because my mind is going to leak it out, um, we're going to spend some time here on this biblical definition. Yeah. You know, we've touched on this a little bit over the last couple months as we've prayed through some peace and introduced the topic of the new prayer journal, Everyday Prayers for Peace. I've touched on this, but I want to go a little bit deeper into it today. One of the things that our team came across in the scriptures early on as we were researching these everyday prayers, prayer journals, this whole line or library of books that we have started was that things like peace and joy and patience are not feelings, they're fruit. And that comes directly from Galatians 5. Galatians 5 is kind of special in our family. I'll just tell you this quick story. We have a couple prayers in our family that my boys call special prayers. And one of them is from number six, Um, I always pray, may the Lord bless you and keep you. In fact, that's what I pray for all of us at the end of our shows. It's our special prayer. It's, It's what we pray. And if I don't pray it, they'll ask for it. Still, as teenagers, they come and ask me for my special prayer. We pray your special prayer, mom. But we also pray this verse. And I started praying this one for my youngest son early on because he was challenging in some ways that thank the Lord he has grown out of a good bit. But Galatians 5 tells us that the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And when I was praying those things for him, I would always tag on to the end, Lord, give him lots and lots of (laughs) self-control. And so he, he knows that now. But these are things that when you come to Christ, as I understand it from Scripture, when we come to Christ, when we place our faith in Christ, we automatically get at least a seed of the fruit of the Spirit planted in our hearts. And as believers, those things grow in our lives as we become more and more mature in Christ. And what I found really profound about that, and I think I knew that, I knew on some level that, you know, what the fruit of the Spirit was and that it grows in a believer as they mature, but I had never really thought about it in terms of how the Bible labels these things and specifically says that peace is a fruit. And if peace is a fruit and love and joy and patience and all the others, and they're already living inside of our hearts, what that means is that they can be grown with intention. So sometimes you'll go five or 10 years down the road and you'll look back on what God has done in your life and you'll see clearly that you have a greater measure of love, joy, peace, patience, and the rest. And it's simply because of what God has done in your life or allowed you to walk through. Other times you can look back on your life and know that you intentionally chose 
to grow the things of God in your life by your own actions. So things like pruning the things that are not of God in your life. I mentioned last week as we were talking that I have a tendency to kill flowers. And my mother often shows up at my house and she'll say, Brooke, you need to deadhead these flowers. You need to prune these flowers or they're going to die. Sometimes she feels so passionate about it that she'll just stand there and do it for me because she knows I'm not going to do it if, if she doesn't do it. But that's what it takes. This choice to prune and to nurture these fruits in our lives so that they can grow stronger in our hearts. And as they grow stronger in our hearts, then, you know, think about the verse that says what's in the heart comes out, you know, that if we're intentionally growing the fruit of the spirit in our hearts, there'll be less room for negative things to come out when we're pressed. And when I think about it that way, I realize that for probably most of my life, I've been trying to stuff a worldly definition of peace into a biblical one. But as I've said before, it's a round whole square peg issue. It never works when we try to take what the world wants us to believe about something and try to make it fit into what the Bible says. As believers, we need to be doing it the other way around. And you, you guys have heard me say this before. If what I believe and what the Bible says are two different things, I'm the one that's wrong. We need to be allowing what God's word says to be informing how we see the world around us and how we understand the world. But when we let go of that, we see that peace is not the absence of pain. It's not the absence of struggle or tribulation, but it's the growing presence of God in our lives. It is not dependent on what's happening around us. It's a growth of what God is doing in us. And his presence will begin to crowd out the chaos with the reminder that he is loving and compassionate and generous and full of integrity and forgiving and good and holy and righteous. And that's just a few of God's character traits. But as you said, Stacy, we are so quick to forget those things. But as we choose to intentionally remember them, then we will find that we crowd out the stress and anxiety with the truth of who God is. That's really good. So I'm really hearing you tell me that this is a two-pronged approach, that it may take some getting rid of some bad theology or some of our impressions about how peace works, but also learning, relearning the truth of what God says about peace. And and so we're, we're going to probably do a lot of that. And what I love about this journal that this is based on is that it gives us the chance to do both, is to kind of let go of some things and to consider some things that we may need to leave behind, then also pick up biblical truth and reapply, or in some of our cases, relearn <laughs> that we maybe we have forgotten So I think this is going to be a great month. Today's show was based on the newest devotional prayer journal from Million Praying Moms, Everyday Prayers for Peace. You can grab your copy now anywhere books are sold, or you can learn more about it in the show notes at millionprayingmoms.com. Till next time, friends, my special prayer for you. The Lord bless you and keep you. Make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord look with favor on you and give you peace. Thanks for joining me for today's episode of the Million Praying Moms podcast. You can connect with other praying women by following us on Instagram at Million Praying Moms or at the Million Praying Moms website where you'll find tools to guide you as a praying mom. And don't forget to download your free copy of my resource, How to Pray God's Word for Your Children. 
This quick read will have you praying God's Word for your family within the next couple of hours. Seriously, find all the links you need at millionprayingmoms.com. This is Chris Christensen, and back in 2006, I started a simple project, a project to try and introduce more people to the Bible through Bible study called the Bible Study Podcast. It's a simple name and a simple idea. Each week, every week, we study one chapter of the Bible, talk about what it says, and what that might mean for us today. To listen now, go to lifeaudio.com or search for the Bible Study Podcast on your favorite podcast app.